0: Welcome back, guys. It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. It's going to be an interesting one this morning. We're going to see if we can stir up some controversy. So get ready for it and get ready to give us a call or send us a text message. We've got a few text messages to go through, but before we do, we have another question for our quiz, the 400-pointer. Second half of the show, they get a bit harder. Shanna, what have you got for us?
1: Okay, 400-pointer. How did Korah and his men die after they tried to usurp the authority of God the authority God had given to Moses.
0: Okay, if you know the answer, number to call is
1: zero four nine one zero six four six six nine.
0: And that question again? The
1: question is: How did Korah and his men die after they tried to usurp the authority God had given to Moses?
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a full-on story this one, but anyway, yeah. Um, let's see if you can find the answer for it. We're going to move over to text messages, and we talked about water this morning. I suppose what would we do without water? We would surely miss it when we don't have any. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been really thirsty and haven't been able to get that glass of water. But, yeah, things go bad pretty quickly when you can't get enough water. Uh, this guy who grew, what was it, 1200 plus tomatoes in one stem is the guy you want to come and help you on your property for country living. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Especially in the days to come, while some people have green fingers, I seem to have black fingers. (laughs) I have
1: felt that before.
0: (laughs) As my success rate is very, very low. Uh, the good thing is that there are some things that are easy to grow and some things that, well, the the easy, grow grow the easy things.
1: Mm. And like, there's questions you can ask, and you can be a detective, and you can figure out what the things are wrong. It's just a yes. matter of yeah, figuring it out.
0: <laughs> and there's basic stuff like manure helps your garden grow better.
1: Yeah, and add- the right sunshine and the right
0: water, and and you can get into all of the science of it, but you can do simple things like add manure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I yeah. like the simple things. And add manure and water, and it will grow better. Okay. Uh, parents' diets, diets affects children in the future. It seems to be a team effort, as you said, but considering the world's diet is pretty lousy, explains part of the mess of the healthy, of the health of the world today. Absolutely. So this, this is, this, the, we cover these stories to encourage you all and to challenge you all to a better diet, a better lifestyle, because when your health is better, you will have a closer walk with God. This one says, Persecution of Christians, it seems to be a sport in many countries in the world. It reminds me of Nero and other Roman emperors who made sport of them just because they worship Jesus and not them. Soon all the captives will be set free. He's coming very soon. Praise Mm. God. Amen. All right. I don't know whether this one comes from from an expert or not. This is a text message. Okay. So you can take it or leave it. Uh, But it says this, When your pH is unhealthy, the key signs are odour and itch. The readings are based around a pH of 7, which is neutral like pure water, according to Google. Okay, so. Google's is, helping us out. Uh, Google's helping us we out. We don't
1: mind a bit of Google. All
0: right. Um, a pH below 7 is acidic. Higher than 7 is alkaline or basic. There you go. Interesting. Your, nor- your blood has a normal pH range of 7.35 to 7.45. That means that blood is naturally slightly alkaline or basic. Okay. So that's interesting information coming from Google Then We do appreciate our listeners getting out there and doing their research on the subjects that we're talking about. Um, If nothing else, it lets us know that um, that you're listening, which is, that's fantastic. All right, so those are our text messages. If you have some more information that you'd like to share or if you are a health expert um, and you can tell us more about acidic and alkaline water, we would love to hear from you. Right now we're going to go to our Bible study. Before we do, a quick reminder that if you have a question to, a question to send through for question of the day. Okay, don't send me a question about acidic or alkaline water because <laughs> I will resort to Google. <laughs> uh, send us a question about the Bible, anything in the Bible, uh, those kinds of questions, and there is not a question that we have not answered yet that has been sent in to The Breakfast Show. So do send them through 0491 064 669 and we will put it in our list of questions to answer our here for question of the day. All right, Bible study time. We are moving on in our Bible study. We were talking about uh, the serpent yesterday. We had a big theme on snakes, and then one of my friends was sending me text messages with pictures of snakes on it, <laughs> and it was all happening. Uh, but today we're moving on from talking about snakes, and we're going to talk about the fall of Adam and Eve. So we're going to just read, do a bit of a Bible reading to start off with. Then we're going to go back through it, and we're going to talk about it in more detail. So Genesis chapter three. Uh, Shannon, can you read for us verse seven to thirteen?
1: I sure can. So Genesis chapter three, verses seven to thirteen, or fourteen.
0: You can do fourteen if you want. I don't mind.
1: Okay, sounds good. Let's do this. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' He replied, "'I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked.'" Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave to me who gave the fruit, gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. I
0: thought you were going to read verse 14.
1: I can. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly groveling in the dust as long as you live.
0: Okay, so there we have it. There's the, uh, there's the story of the fall of Adam and Eve and, well, really the beginning of the tragedy of our world right here. Mm. And there's a couple of couple of things that jump out to us right here. Okay, so from time to time uh, you will hear that Adam and Eve were wearing a robe of light. And then you'll have others who will say, no, the Bible says they were naked. <laughs> so what's the truth? So which one is it? All right, yeah if we go back to chapter two and verse 25, you got that one for us. Yeah,
1: now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame.
0: Okay, so which one is it? Were they wearing a robe of what light, as in they had clothes on, or were they naked? What's your answer? I want to hear from you guys. Yeah, We're going to come back and discuss it in a little while. But uh, 0491 064 669 is the number to call. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this and I want to hear you defend your thoughts on this and to give your reasons as to why you take the particular position that you take on this issue. But uh, before we get there, there are some other things that we need to uh, consider. Uh, Questions right here. And the first is that God comes to the Garden of Eden and asks a question: "Where are you?" Why does God ask that question? Does God Doesn't not God know everything? <laughs> yes, does God is this? Have they are Adam and Eve very very good at hide and seek? <laughs> I don't know if they're that good at it. And God's come down to the Garden of Eden and He's wandered around and He's looking and looking and looking and He's like, "I know I left two people here somewhere, and now I can't find them." And so he starts calling out, mm. "Guys, where are you?"
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like God always asks questions before He goes into condemning. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't condemn. But you know what I mean. Like He's not going to jump in there and be like, "You guys have done all the wrong thing. What do you think you're doing?" Da 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 da. He's not going to jump in with that. And so He's like, "I want you to know that I know you, and that yes. I want to know you."
0: Oh wow, that's powerful. I want you to know that I know you.
1: Yeah, I know. I know that you're here, and I want you to know that you're known.
0: <laughs> have you ever played hide and seek and not been able to? Yeah, I actually don't like
1: hide-and-seek for that reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever played that game of hide-and-seek where um, uh, everybody hides? How does it work? Everybody.
1: You mean like sardines?
0: Yeah, Yeah. sardines, sardines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and suddenly you're the last person walking around and it's like.
1: Where's everyone gone?
0: (laughs) One person hides.
1: Yeah, and then everyone has to go find them.
0: Everyone goes find them and when they find them they hide with them Mm -hmm. until suddenly you realise.
1: I'm the only one left. (laughs) I'm the only one here.
0: It's kind of sad. <laughs> okay, so when God asks this question, he is—he's illustrating that he knows what's going on, mm. and he's not coming in guns blazing. And he knows Adam and Eve. So, so, so there's a couple of weird things in this story. First, of, first of all, God says, "Where are you?" And we know that God knows where they are. The second weird thing is they hide. <laughs> Why do they do that and what are they trying to accomplish?
1: Well, yeah, ultimately I I feel like sin separates us from God, right? Yes. And so they've done this thing that has separated them from God. They realize they're not pure, they're not innocent. They've done something wrong and so they don't know how to face that. (laughs) And their natural reflex is run away, get away from this.
0: And uh, what is the emotion that they are experiencing that drives them to run away?
1: Fear. Fear. Fear normally makes us run right?
0: Yes. I'm going to to toss out another one. Uh, And and I want you to think about this for a moment because has there ever been a time when you have really wronged somebody else? Um, I think most of us have had that kind of an experience. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So I'm thinking of an experience, and I want want us all to stop and think about it for a moment, but an experience in which you have really wronged somebody else. Uh, You've really hurt them in some way or other. How comfortable do you feel in their presence?
1: Not really good. I really want to sort it out and ask forgiveness before I can move on, right?
0: Yeah, you've got to address the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. don't you? Yeah. Uh, And let's say that you've wronged somebody, you haven't had that opportunity, Um, it's been a while, maybe it's been a week, maybe it's been five maybe, it's been a year, and you see that person walk into the room, what instantly goes into your mind?
1: And you get out of here.
0: Discomfort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's, there is discomfort there. And what I see coming from that is shame. Mm. Yes. You feel shame because you don't like yourself yep. because of what you did to that person. And so you don't like to be around that person and so you – Leave because that's it's easier. uncomfortable.
1: It's uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't like to stay where it's uncomfortable. Naturally,
0: exactly. And sometimes we don't like to make up either. Sometimes, yeah, because we, we that's like, hard work. Yeah, we, we, it's like it's easier. It, we we think that it's going to be easier rather than address the elephant in the room. Walk up to the person, and say, "Look, I know that this happened, and I'm. I just want to. I just want to make it right."
1: Mm. It requires humility, and that's yes. that's a big thing.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And so basically we as human beings are a bunch of gutless wonders that just when we feel that shame and we have wronged somebody, we rather run and hide than actually uh, address the issue, lance the wound, Mm. solve it so that we can actually get on with our lives and then as a result of that, uh, that person that we wronged, they start to live rent-free in our brain and that sense of shame is just going to... uh, drag us down even further than ever.
1: I feel like it's crazy because, like, God, God only asks us to do things that are good for us, right? And in this story, like, we're seeing it played out, what's good for them. Like, if they had just confessed up, like, God, I'm so sorry, we failed. We made a mistake. Like, can you forgive us? Like, if they had done that, and like, we know now that the promise is, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we know that, right? And yet, we I feel like we still live in this state. We still do this sometimes. We're like, you know what, it's really hard to fess up right now. I don't want to do this. But if we realize God only wants what's good for us, he's only suggesting we do that for our own good, like why don't we do it more?
0: And the fact is we have this thing in our mind that is like, if I ignore this long enough, it will go away. Mm-hmm. It will not. It is that simple. Tried it and true.
1: <laughs> it's not how it works.
0: All right. So um, we've got this, this strange behavior that goes on. And so God asks, where are you? And where did we we go here? Um, Where's the reply? Verse 10. Let's read verse 10. 10. Because this is where it gets into this controversial subject.
1: Mm -hmm. So he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked.
0: So doesn't the Bible say that they've always been naked?
1: It appears that way.
0: Yes. So why are they suddenly saying, I was naked, so I didn't want to see you?
1: Well, the thing that that's changed I mean, is their innocence, right?
0: Yes, it's one of the things. Yes. Okay, so their innocence has changed, uh, and and so you you get this, you get, and you will often hear this, and it's a, and it's um, something that we need to talk about. Is that Adam and Eve were clothed with a garment of light, and when they sinned, their clothes went away, and they were like, "Oh, we are naked right now." <laughs> um, and so, you know, some people ask, "Okay, where does whereabouts does that come from?" And so, um, I was, I was hoping that somebody would text through on this. I think we've stumped everybody. <laughs> were they naked or were they clothed with the garment of light? Let us know your thoughts on this. Uh, which one is true and can both be true? Can you be clothed and naked at the same time?
1: Sounds like an oxymoron. It
0: does sound like an oxymoron, doesn't it? <laughs> Okay, so let's think about this. Let's go over to Psalms chapter 104, verse 1 and 2. And while we're turning there, let's ask this question. In whose image were human beings made?
1: The image of God.
0: The image of God. All right, so what does God wear? If we're made in the image of God, what does God wear? Uh, Psalms 104, verse 1 and 2. 104,
1: got the wrong chapter. Okay, Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2. And it says let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the ra- in the rain clouds. That's beautiful imagery there.
0: Oh, it is, absolutely. And if we are created in the image of God, then it would follow that we were created with the same kind of clothing that God wore. Mm. Or God wears.
1: I like that, and like God is perfect, right? Yes. And God created man perfect. Yes. And so, yeah, we would definitely see similar characteristics coming through.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so what is what is God wearing in this passage?
1: You were dressed in a robe of light. Before that. Before that, um, you were robed with honor and majesty.
0: Okay, honor and majesty. Let's think about that. So God's clothing was His character.
1: Hey. So what did Adam?
0: What what had Adam and Eve just lost?
1: Their perfection of character.
0: Their character. Their perfection of character. So what had they just lost? They had just lost their clothing. Hmm. And the Bible describes uh, it as being a garment of light. Yeah. What is light a symbol of in the Bible? Light is a symbol of truth. Purity? Purity. Absolutely. Um, So we've we've got a text message coming through here. Let me just see what this one has to say. Um we are all born naked, but we wear clothes. The clothes is Adam and Eve were robes of light that God gave them his righteousness, the same robes God will give the people who get to heaven yeah and this is and this is okay so th- so when we get to heaven, what kind of a character will we have?
1: I hope it's fixed up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too because you
0: wouldn't want a repeat of what happens here on this earth. No. Okay, so if God's clothing is his character and when we and, and when Adam and Eve lost the perfection of their character, they lost their clothing mm. uh, because the Bible goes on and all the way down through here, uh, the continuing theme is we hid because we were naked and ashamed. <laughs> Why were they ashamed? They were ashamed because of what they had done. Yeah. What was it that they had lost? They had lost their character when we get to heaven, what's God going to do? God is going to change our character. He's going to restore our character back to perfection so that, uh, once again, we receive exactly the same clothing, the clothing of character that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden.
1: Wow. Man, I can't wait for that day. How exciting is that? Yes,
0: (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. A a perfect, clean, spotless Mm. character.
1: And we have, like, from the beginning of the Bible, we have this picture and we have, you know, is have them long we're on earth, and then we have that picture of closing it in, in heaven. Yes, yes. It's not and, all lost, and, and
0: and this is the thing here on this earth we live with shame, mm, regularly. because sin brings shame. Yeah, and which is an interesting concept for people that do not believe in God and that have no faith, because they live with the shame of having done something wrong. We all do; it's universal to the, to, to to humanity, and yet. If we evolved from mud, there is no actual right or wrong. who determines so why do
1: we have right and wrong in our minds? Who why determines
0: what is right or wrong? So why do we have shame?
1: Because we've done something wrong and we've been created by someone who's done something
0: right. <laughs> exactly and you can get whole societies that turn away from God. you can mm. get you know uh, people that are many 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 generations um, of atheism. And so there's no social construct there to what is right and wrong and they still feel deep shame mm. when they do things that are wrong. Why is it that human beings are innately moral?
1: Because we were created.
0: Because we were created, because we didn't come from mud. We, you know, we're not just a random process of chemical reactions mm. because we were created in the image of God. We were yeah. created to have a perfectly moral character. And anything less than a perfect moral character, we are intimately aware of. And Adam and Eve were intimately aware of their less than perfect moral character when they were in the Garden of Eden. And because of their shame, they wanted to hide themselves. Yeah.
1: And I feel like also to take away responsibility like today, we try and say, oh, we are inherently good. You know, this this goodness just yes. came from us.
0: Yes. But yes. why
1: did Adam and Eve feel naked if their goodness came from themselves?
0: Okay, so what did Adam and Eve do to solve this problem, or to try and solve the problem?
1: They did some fig leaves together.
0: They sewed some fig leaves together. There's a bit of a, uh, you know, when you think about clothing, that's a very random (laughs) last-minute rush job of really what's that going to accomplish and what's that going to cover and how long is that going to last for. You know, if you were thinking of uh, durable clothing, I don't think you would go with fig leaves.
1: Maybe not the first option.
0: Yeah. Okay, so they, and this is interesting because when the word says they made themselves coverings, mm-hmm. the word made or make or create right there, it's the first time that this word is used after creation. Yeah. In the Bible, that word is only used for what God did. And this is the first thing that where the Bible uses that word to describe things that humans yeah. did. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to get into our back into our Bible study, but before we do, Shanna has a 500-point question. No one got the 400-pointer.
1: What are you guys doing?
0: Come on, guys. 0491 064 669. Time to, time to get into it.
1: Yes. And you want... I'm going to tell you what the question is, and I'm going to tell you why you want, want to get this question right. Okay? Cool. Sure. So... The question is, this is a 500-pointer, you guys can do it, we have faith in you. It says, what object were Moses and Aaron, as well as Korah, Datham and Abiram and the 250 rebels told to each bring with them to the tabernacle for the meeting to settle the rebellious mutiny?
0: Okay, what object were they all told to bring? Everyone was told to bring the same thing.
1: Yeah. To the temple. Yes. And if you get this right, you're going to be able to get a book called Simply Put, The 28 Fundamentals about what God's been saying all along. Cool. So sounds like an epic book that you want to get. Question once more is what object were Moses and Aaron, as well as Korah, Datham, Abiram, and the 250 rebels told to bring with them to the tabernacle for the meeting to settle the rebellious mutiny? Think of tabernacle. That might help a little bit. It's to do with the tabernacle. We're going to go to the tabernacle. What are we going to bring to the tabernacle? Okay. The the number to call, to text in is 0491 So, yeah, we want to hear from you.
0: Okay, so we were talking before the song break about the word make or made. The Adam and Eve, uh, when they sinned, they did the first thing. Um, They made themselves uh, their own clothing. And so the Bible says that they were naked until this particular point, that they were clothed with their character. They lost that. And so they're like, okay, well, let's give ourselves our own clothing. They created it out of fig leaves. And so now this clothing that symbolizes their character is made of fig leaves um, fig leaves that have been picked off of a tree. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit before. It's not going to be long-lasting fabric. Mm. This is this is not something that is going to be of any kind of quality whatsoever at all. It's kind of like a last ditch. Oh, I need to cover myself up. Uh, where's the nearest thing? Grab some leaves kind of thing. Does not sound like a great idea, does it? Not really. Okay, and, and and when we look at that in the concept of, okay, what were they actually trying to accomplish, they were trying to replace their character that they had lost with a character that they created themselves.
1: Mm. Which is fascinating, hey? and when, Can I
0: mention on that? You can go. Okay, so life.
1: when I think of character, I think of righteousness, unrighteousness, that sort of thing, right? Yes. And so naturally I go to the thought of robe of righteousness. So we have yes. a robe of light, which sort of is similar to a robe of righteousness. Same thing. And so when we talk about righteousness and we're trying to put on our own righteousness – what is all of our righteousness? It's filthy rags, right? Yes. And so how productive is that going to be, putting on our own righteousness or our it's own not. fig leaves? It's
0: not. The filthy rags and the fig leaves are in the same category together. Yep. Okay, go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Galatians 2 and verse 16. Let's see what Paul has to say about this over here. Uh, in the book of Galatians. let's see. And I'm
1: in another Channel. Bible today, so yes, it's I'm not, getting confused with where everything is. It's
0: not as well trained as your Bible.
1: No, Galatians 2.16. Is that where we're at?
0: That's right.
1: 2.16, and it says, hold on, where's the beginning of the verse? Here we go. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law.
0: I really like this verse right here because it says no one. Yeah. Sometimes I come across people who have this concept that, well, you know, in the Old Testament they were under the law, so therefore they had to keep the law. And in the New Testament we're under grace, so we no longer have to keep the law. And it's like, okay, so you're going to have two Groups of people in heaven, some people that got there by keeping the law and some people that got there under grace. Mm. Paul comes along and, and, and he repeats this theme quite a number of times in the book of Galatians. He's like, no, never. Yeah, No one is ever getting there under the law. No one is ever mm. saved under the law. And if you're going to say that everybody in the Old Testament was under the law, then you're saying that everybody in the Old Testament is unsaved.
1: Mm. It's not even being saved, but it's like what are we being made right by? Yes. And like what is what is making us whole? And again, like just that, that essence of faith. And I've been studying James recently and that whole concept comes all through James is, you know, what are we being saved by or what is changing our lives? It's the implanted word. It's faith. It's God changing us, not ourselves. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's exactly what this verse is pulling out.
0: And Adam and Eve right there in the Garden of Eden, they started by, with that fundamental mistake right there. It's like, well, we're going to uh, make ourselves right. So this is the first thing that they do after they sin. The first thing they do is like, well, we're going we're to make ourselves right.
1: Let's just fix this problem we've made. <laughs>
0: yes, we will fix this ourselves.
1: <laughs> Which I like fixing my own problems too, by the way.
0: It's, it's, it's a human nature thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but when it comes to character... Doesn't work. You too can't well. <laughs> do that. You can't do that with character. Okay, so let's go on and let's see what the second thing uh, that what what they that they did to try and make themselves right. Uh, let me see here. They do. Uh, Adam does a Will Smith. <laughs> he totally does a Will Smith. Let me just. Where is it? It's right here in front of me. Why can't I see it? Uh, verse ten. Uh, verse eleven. He said. Who told you you're naked, verse 12, the man said. Okay, verse 12.
1: Okay. So the man replied, it was the woman who gave me the fruit, and I ate it.
0: So whose fault is it? It's the woman's fault.
1: I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you blaming me?
0: So Will Smith slaps, uh, with the famous slap the other day of uh, Chris Rock, and what does he say? Love made me do it.
1: Hmm? Who made you do it? (laughs) Yeah. Don't he you says, have responsibility for your actions? Wh- what, is,
0: what does Adam say? Well, love made me do it. Mm. That, that, essentially, that—that w- that is exactly what Adam is saying here. I ate the fruit because I couldn't help it, because love made me do it, because I love Eve. Yeah. And I have no question that he did love Eve. And, you know, there's nobody's going to question that. And it would have been unbearably hard. And this wasn't just somebody making an off-color joke about his wife when he sees what his wife has done and he recognizes that he has lost his wife
1: mm.
0: i don't even begin to understand how incredibly hard that would be you know it's one thing when you know you lose your wife or you lose somebody close and they're dead and there's nothing you can do about it but what if there is something you can do about it
1: yeah and we laugh at these guys. We're like, oh, they were so silly. Why did they do this? But I find ourselves falling into the exact same trap, like easier yeah. than them. Like it's our natural reaction. And so we see this and, yeah, like it's, it's a big thing for him to be like, I'm going to lose my wife. What do I do? She's offered me this last minute, split second. What do I do? And he's just gone with the easiest option. Well, in his mind, what he thought was the easiest option.
0: And here's the problem. Eve brought sin to planet yeah. Earth. It was Adam that gave it to the human race. I mean, you think about that. If Adam had not joined Eve, and Adam went in with his eyes open knowing exactly what he was doing. Mm. If he had not joined Eve, sin would have been quarantined in one person. It's a little bit like COVID comes along and there's only one person ever gets it and we quarantine them for their seven days or 14 days or however long, who knows how long, where they change their minds all the time. Uh, But we quarantine them for their specific amount of time and sin gets quarantined, COVID gets quarantined, nobody else gets it. And if Adam hadn't made that decision, sin would not have extended past Eve. Okay, now let's think about the implications of this then for a moment. What would God have done if Adam hadn't sinned? Here's what God would have done. Jesus would have been born to Eve because mm. you don't need Adam in that equation. And Jesus would have given his life just for Eve.
1: That's powerful.
0: Because the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, mm-hmm. Jesus would have died for just one, one person. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, we're about to have some answers for our quiz questions followed by question of the day. What are, what are yes. our, our, our answers there? By the way, Producer Shell, did anyone get the last two questions? No one got the last two questions. Mm-hmm. We got you guys stumped this morning with the story of Cora, Dathan and Abiram. Maybe these are some stories that you need to go back and review in your Bible uh, if they're not that well known. There's some important lessons that we need to learn. Anyway, That's what are our le- what are our answers there?
1: Okay, so the answer for how many times did Jesus arrest during Jesus' arrest and childhood, Simon Peter denies his Lord. That was three times. So congratulations to whoever got that one. Um, what did – oh, the answer to what Jacob did all night um, at a place he later named Peniel, that was wrestle. He wrestled with God. Um, yeah, which is a really powerful story as well, actually. My God changed his name. And Anyway, I love that story. God, he wrestled, though. So – and the other word for peaceful that describes a Christian life was quiet, the other adjective. So peaceful and quiet – Similar things, but yeah, that describes the type of Christian life. How did Korah and his men die? The earth swallowed them and their houses and their belongings. Yeah, it's pretty hectic. That's that's an epic story. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Who mm-hmm. would have thought
1: the earth could just open up and swallow people? Yep. But hey, that's what happened. Um, and what did they need to bring to the tabernacle for the meeting to settle the rebellion? They had to bring a censer with incense. So, yeah, those are the answers. So, yeah, tomorrow morning, make sure you're ready to answer some questions. And now on to the question... Question of the day.
0: Okay, what's our question of the day there, Shanna?
1: Question today is from Brayden, and the question is: Doesn't the Bible prophecy say that there will not be another world war, but there will be conflict and persecution? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Okay, so uh, what my thoughts are is irrelevant.
1: What is the Bible thoughts on that? <laughs> yes,
0: what the Bible says about this is what is relevant, and the Bible does—the Bible actually says there will be World War Three.
1: Okay. Bible specifically says that
0: there will be World War Three. What the Bible doesn't say is that everybody's going to be wiped out by World War Three. Okay, so if you go to Revelation chapter sixteen and in verse uh, thirteen, the Bible says, "I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are the spirits of devils working miracles. Once you catch this next part, which go forth to the kings of the earth." Okay, So that's the political leaders of the world. So you've got uh, these unclean spirits that come from the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. Those are religious entities going to the political entities. Mm-hmm. They go out to the political leaders of the world and of the whole world that's the whole world, to gather them together to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So the Bible says that there will be a world war at the end of time that includes the whole world. This will be a war where the religious leaders incite the political leaders. That's the format. In verse 16 it says, He gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And so as a result of this particular verse, there are a whole bunch of people who said, well, you know, World War Three is going to be fought in the valley of Megiddo. The Bible does not say that. There is nowhere in the Bible that the Bible says that. The Bible says that they are gathered in a place called Armageddon. That is not Megiddo.
1: What does Armageddon mean?
0: Okay, so Megiddo means place of slaughter. Ha, the prefix, is what we use for mount. Mm. So rather than a valley, the Bible actually references a mountain here, a mountain of slaughter. And then you combine that, of course, with the principle of literal local to worldwide symbolic, and you know, going from you know the first reference to the last reference of a particular subject in the Bible, and you have a worldwide mountain of slaughter at the end of time, and the Bible describes that. In fact, uh, if we go uh, over to Revelation chapter seventeen, we'll look at this very quickly. Uh, no, let's yeah yeah Revelation chapter seventeen. Uh, the Bible says where is Revelation seventeen? Here we go. Uh, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, political leaders of the world, ten, the whole world, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings, one hour with the beast. They have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast and make war with the lamb. Once again, you have ten, that's the whole world, political leaders, making war with the lamb. If we go to Revelation chapter 19, we find a description of this war that takes place in verse 11. I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse, he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his head as many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a clothing dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. You've got Jesus, you've got an army, he's going out to make war. You come down to verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. This unity that we read about earlier. And their armies gathered together to make war against him, that's not on the horse, and against his army. Yes, the Bible says World War Three is a thing, it will take place, and World War III will not just be a political war here on this earth, it will be a cosmic war. Of course, as you go through the day, we'd like to remind you to stay close to Jesus, spend some time with him in Bible study and prayer, um, and of course, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God of for you. With the sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet, meet again at Jesus' feet. Until we eat again. Jesus. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith again. FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-80-Faith FM.